Welcome back, Big East basketball fans. This is the Power Six podcast, a Big East-based basketball show. I am one of your hosts, Brian Sam, is over on the other side of the digital world, uh, over in Iowa. Uh, He is the other half of our dynamic duo here, and we are uh, in the thick of it. Down to the Final Four, we had three Big East teams in the Sweet 16 heading into the past weekend. Your Creighton Blue Jays were one of them. We will get to the Jays in just a bit. But let's start at the top. We'll talk about Xavier first. Uh, Musketeers, out of the Midwest region, the three-seed taking on the two-seed Texas Longhorns, a team that you and I both talked about how well they were playing last week. Uh, They, being Texas, got out to a commanding lead in the first half and really did not look back. The score uh, does not make it seem as close as it was. Xavier did not lead in this game. Texas was up by as many as 24, uh, and it even got a little chippy and a little ugly in the second half for the Musketeers. Really good first year for Sean Miller and company. Uh, Maybe a bit of a disappointment, but they did arguably have one of the tougher runs throughout their region of any team. Uh, and and just were not able uh, to get over the Texas hump. Yeah, and they just started the game so slow and against a team that can score like Texas, uh, that is not necessarily a winning proposition. Yeah. Um, I, I think with 10 minutes left in the first half after a Marcus Carr three-pointer, uh, the score was like 20 to 12, and you, you, you've got a chance at that point. But then ending up the first half down, what, 17? I think it was 42 to 25. Um, yep. You're, you're not going to win a whole high quarter basketball game scoring that few points and a half, as Creighton learned in the Elite Eight, scoring 23 against San Diego State. Um, but uh, they, they, the no surprise, the Longhorns have a pretty darn balanced scoring attack. There were four guys that scored in between 16 and 19 points. Um, Kunkel had a great game, uh, to a, an emotional last one of his career. He was also kind of getting, sticking his nose in there a little bit as part of yeah. the chippiness. Uh, he, he scored, he scored 21. Nunji had 15 and 11 as a double, double Col- Colby Jones had 16.7 boards, six assists. Uh, Sule boom, unfortunately though, uh, really struggled only four from 11 on the field fr- from the field and 12 points. And, uh, it, it Xavier had been much better defensively without Zach Fremantle, but without another scoring option to keep up with Texas. Um, I, I think Jerome Hunter and Desmond Cloud only scored three points each. Uh, they really failed to. They, they were a bit of a run in the second half, uh, scored 46 points in the half, but uh, gave up 41. So they were not able to eat into their lead uh, it, all that much at all. And as you said, uh, the game was, the final score was not indicative of how thoroughly Texas kind of outworked and outplayed Xavier. Yeah, I think you hit on something really important there. Uh, even without Fremantle, like this this is a different beast with Zach Fremantle. The way he was playing was at an all-Big East level. Um, he was certainly capable of taking this team to, or helping take this team to, to greater heights. I think the thing that really helped them for a long time was the fact that Sule Boom was playing next-level basketball. He was playing as well as anyone out there. And he really just did not seem to have it for a majority of these NCAA tournament games. Um, and, and this game against Texas certainly was no different. Um, he he disappeared for long stretches of time when they really could not afford to, to lose him. I, we talked about last week how he was able to make plays in crunch time. 
certainly was able to, but if you're not even in the game, it doesn't matter. Uh, and to your point, Jerome Hunter dunk with uh, 855 left made it 20 to 14 Texas. Longhorns would then go on a uh, 14 to four run over the next five and a half ish minutes. And really it was never close after that. Um, disappointing finish, no doubt about it. Nunji, I think played okay. He really wasn't shooting very well uh, from the floor. Colby Jones had a decent game, but no one was able to really take over in spots offensively. Kunkel was the best offensive weapon in that game against Texas. And I think part of it was he was just playing pissed off for a vast majority. It, it, it seemed like Xavier was pretty shell-shocked to see just how thoroughly they were getting beaten at times. Yeah, and as a team that has played Texas this year in a in, in a raucous environment in, in the Moody Center, um, and who also did not shoot all that great from deep, uh, I, I can definitely understand that. They can just cycle in guards that are just so tough to deal with. Um, Sule Boom isn't phenomenally defensively, and when he's having to switch on to... Uh, a combination of Serge Barry Rice, Tyrese Hunter, uh, Marcus Carr, what have you. Um, that is quite difficult and, and, and take the, his effort on the uh, offensive end and kind of drain him uh, on the other side of the floor. Uh, Xavier, for a very long stretch of the season, was, um, and I think they still might be top 10 in uh, the country in assists per game. But in this game, on 28 made field goals, they only had 12 assists, so on less than half their buckets. So yeah. their their offense wasn't running how they wanted it to be, and they kind of um, were, were playing desperation basketball uh, it, for a bit, um, especially when, as you mentioned, that 14-4 run that kind of put it out of the reach for the rest of the game. Yeah, all in all, good season for Xavier. They could have done more. It, it kind of could have been a season of what if, if Fremantle didn't get hurt, maybe if they had played a little better in the tournament or you know something could have happened to knock Texas off. We'll never know. A Sweet 16 really is not a bad result, though, in year one for Sean Miller. Um, let's move on. We we had three teams in the Big East in the Sweet 16. All three finished in different stages of the tournament. We just talked about Xavier, who was knocked out uh, in the Sweet 16. Let's talk about Creighton, your Blue Jays. They hang on to beat a feisty Princeton team, 86-75, very high-scoring game. Tosan and Langborn combined for 50 of Princeton's 70 points. The starting five for Creighton scores 81 of the team's 86, as has been the case. Shireman was fantastic in the game. Kalkbrenner really took advantage of his height. And Trey Alexander was hitting some big shots throughout uh, as, you know, the Jays shot it really well from the field. Maybe not as great from three, but took advantage of the opportunities when they had them. Yeah, and this is a game where that's kind of the reason that you go out and get Baylor Shireman in the transfer portal. Uh, yeah. The, the fact that a game like this can get you to the Elite Eight, which you've never been to in school history, was huge. Um, final score ended up being 86 to 75. Uh, it, it, it felt a lot closer, and it was a lot closer for a lot of it. Creighton, I think, extended the lead out to 16, 18 points one time, but one of the more stressful 11-point games for kind of a multitude of reasons. Uh, given the historical aspect of the game and just Princeton's fight, uh, I think that they they burned their last timeout, like just before the under twelve timeout in the second half, and still were able to make it very uncomfortable, if not for some really key hustle plays down the stretch from Martha Kaluma uh, to kind of secure that game. Yeah, twelve thirty three left. Trey Alexander hits a layup to make it a sixteen point game. I'm 
pretty positive they called timeout there, and that was the last one they had. It, it looked like the game was getting away from them at that point. And credit to Princeton, they did make some plays. It it felt closer than it ever really got. They went on a an 8-0 run, I believe, right out of that timeout. But then the man of the hour, Baylor Shireman, comes down and hits a three off of, I believe, two offensive rebounds, if I'm remembering the sequence correctly. And it was just one of those moments where, for as well as Princeton played, their fatal flaws are going to kill them in this game because Creighton could take advantage. Um, and then really just trading buckets back and forward to cut it to single digits and double digits and, uh, you know, no real threat outside of uh, that run, that 8-0 run to really uh, make it a, a tighter game than, than that. Yeah, and they showed great fight not only at that point, but when it was 24-16, the game got started yeah. on such a torrid pace that neither team felt like they were missing. They were scoring pretty darn near every time down the floor. And at that 24-16, I, I was in my group chat that I uh, texted friends during the game. I said, okay, let's step on the throats. Throats uh, should be over. Um, little did we know that uh, we'd end up down by four. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, but, but the next stretch after that, I think it was 38-34, really did um, uh, kind of decided the game for Creighton. They, after that, they went on a 33-14 to 14 run, which really won them the game. Um, as you mentioned, uh, Tosana Walma, uh, 24 points, 9 assists, especially early in the game when we just couldn't figure out what in the world to do with him defensively. He could kind of do whatever he wanted to. We tried Arthur Kaluma on him. We tried Baylor Sharman on him, Fred King for a little bit, uh, even Ryan Kalkbrenner, who seemed to be kind of looking like his uh, November sick mono self for the first yeah. 15 minutes, admittedly, of that, of that game before he really turned it on and had a poster dunk that uh, no Creighton fan will soon forget, uh, especially in such a big spot. But um, the it there really, really was no reason in the first half for Creighton to force shots early because they were getting more or less the shots that they wanted, started at such a great pace, slowed down a little bit. Um, but... Uh, it, it was crazy, and and to be in, in an environment as as the favorite against a Cinderella. Um, yeah. I had a couple of friends at the game. They said that Princeton fans outnumbered them by a lot, and any neutral observer uh, is obviously right. right. Cinderella too. So it's it's, it's kind of interesting that it's a not not a terrible drive for Omaha, but that uh, you're, you're dealing with a crowd that may may not want you to succeed. Um, uh, but yeah, t talking about that. Stretch that won one one of the game. Um, during that thirty three to fourteen stretch, Ryan Kalkbrenner had fourteen points of his own, uh, including ten straight from the end of the uh, about a minute minute and a half left in the first half. Uh, to um, I, th I think just before that sixteen minute twelve minute media timeout, maybe uh, that put him up sixty eight to fifty two. Uh, he was really showing emotion. Um, that that transition uh, three point play with one twenty six left in the first half. Uh, really kind of woke him up, and he was even kind of jawing at the Princeton players a little bit, saying, I, I think earlier in the game that they, they'd said that, I don't know too, whether it was too small or whether it was, oh, hit the weight room, whatever else. He kind of screamed. You could kind of see him still. We lift to uh, get out of here, <laughs> which is which is kind of funny. Neat to see him show emotion. Um, and then yeah, after that run, the one three one so holy cow. <laughs> that yeah. just melted our brains, especially given the fact that we used a, 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 a bit this year, but last year especially, that was kind of max go-to uh, when things weren't going well defensively. The fact that we're kind of just playing catch, uh, R2 and Trey throwing it back and forth. Baylor was throwing it back and forth too. 
Um, early in that sequence, there were, I think, two or three pretty open shots that if Creighton would have made even one of them, that probably forces Princeton out of it, but they didn't. And um, they, as you said, slowly fought and clawed back, um, shifted to those Kaluma uh, plays that kind of really saved from the game. That save out of bounds, I could have sworn that it looked like his foot was on the line, but we'll take it. It did. <laughs> Whenever a call goes your way in March, you never apologize for it. Uh, as we know all too well. So um, uh, that that big three that Trey Alexander had, I think, to make an 11-point game was huge. Um, Kalum also had a three-point play on a post-up where he pokes the ball uh, and then later in the game pokes the ball away on an offensive rebound, really doing some dirty work. His stat line won't blow you away. I think it was 10.6 rebounds, but he really made those – two massive plays down the stretch that probably, if not a dagger, really kind of put uh, put put the game out of reach for Princeton. Um, you mentioned Baylor Shireman, 21 points, nine boards, four assists, eight of 11 from the field, five of seven from three. Um, there was, as we mentioned, no better game to tie a season high from three. Um, it, it, I think you mentioned his bank shot three, which was kind of funky. It was just that kind of day for him. Um, and uh, you mentioned also Trey Alexander. It was a pretty quiet 19 points for him. Six for mm-hmm. seven, three to seven from deep. Um, uh, whether you care all about him that much in basketball, he had the best plus minus uh, in 35 minutes. He had plus 19. So um, Fred King also, we, we, we mentioned it. it was a little tough on uh, Tosan Aloma defensively, uh, but his, his two or three minutes of game time, he kind of stuffed the stat sheet. He had a, a bucket, three boards, and two blocks on Aloma, which – uh, were, were, were quite huge too. So yeah, it was a very fun game. Um, one that obviously, uh, fans will never forget that got him to a place that Creighton hadn't been in school history. So great win against Princeton. And, uh, unfortunately you, you mentioned their two leading scorers, Langborn and, uh, Awoma. um, Langborn's already entered the transfer portal, Awoma. You can't, uh, you could, he has another season, but you can't play five years in the Ivy league. Yep. So, um, if, if you're going to be a hot commodity, if he comes out. Absolutely, absolutely. So if, if if you're looking for another next year, maybe uh, a Cinderella out of the Ivy League, it might not be Princeton, but it is a pretty darn good league of basketball. Yale um, uh, would have had a chance to make a similar run as well. Maybe not knocking Arizona, but uh, we, we... You never know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, a couple other points that you hit, the one three one for whatever reason, completely stopped... Uh, completely stopped Creighton and even with Tosan in foul trouble at the top of that one three one zone he was able to still be effective um using foul trouble for a lot of this game and that that certainly hurt he still played 38 minutes but certainly could not be as maybe aggressive as they would have liked defensively I imagine he would have picked up a a more um aggressive man-to-man assignment had had he not been in foul trouble and the thing I think that that gets forgotten in this game is the number of shots that rattled him in and out for Princeton would have made this, you know, so many momentum plays. And it's, again, a credit to Creighton because they are able to take advantage when the opportunity presents itself. I feel like so many times out of timeouts or whatever it was, Princeton draws up a nice play, gets an open look from three, and it just happens to rattle in and out. And it's weird to say because they shot nine of 21 from three. That's not bad at all. Uh, 42.9% will get the job done most nights, but any any chance it felt like the momentum was coming and the roof was going to blow off the place, it just didn't happen, and then Creighton comes down with a silencer. So credit to the Jays in that front. 
yeah, I felt like there were three or four of those. Um, some mm-hmm. from pretty darn deep, but yeah, clean looks, open looks that as soon as they clanked out or hit, hit the rim and then hit the backboard and we got the offensive rebound, uh, let out a pretty darn big sigh of relief because yeah. yeah, as we mentioned, 11 point win, double digits, but it felt like five or six for much of that stretch run when Creighton just could not do anything offensively against that zone. And yeah. the frustrating part against it is that they, there were a few lobs to Arthur Kaluma that were just too high or mistimed mm-hmm. jumps that, that, that that's the play you want to run against that and couldn't execute. You hit it twice and they're out of the zone, like you said. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so then the Elite Eight comes. They take on San Diego State, a team that Creighton had defeated previously in the NCAA tournament, a team that felt like they could have made a deep run in the 2020 NCAA tournament before it was canceled. But then again, I feel like there are about 15 teams that people point to and say that exact line. Uh, they had, they came off of the win uh, over Alabama, excuse me, as uh, in the previous game in the Sweet 16. This was anyone's game for a vast majority of it. No one shot the ball particularly well from the field. Um, it really comes down to small margins at the end of the day. Uh, and, and that's, that's where we find ourselves. Like the call was tough. I have seen worse in NCAA tournament games. I will, I will take you on shot for shot. If you want to go through, uh, the worst calls against our alma maters in NCAA tournament games. And I will win that. I think three, nothing. This is tough, especially considering you've got to, you would have a date with Florida Atlantic in, uh, the final four, not saying the Owls are a great team, but that, I mean, if, if someone told Greg McDermott that he would have a chance to play Florida Atlantic in the final four, I think he sells his soul and maybe Doug to go do that. Um, yeah, it was just a, a tough offensive game overall. You mentioned it, uh, in a group chat that we were in just the, the, um, the scoring droughts just continue to bite. Creighton when they didn't need it and uh, really cost them in this game against San Diego State. Yeah, and as you mentioned, uh, one of your least favorite rivals, Rector, them not making the NCAA tournament, maybe win more games. Creighton wants yeah. to, make to get to the Final Four, maybe don't go 0 of 10 from 3 in the second half and 2 of 17 overall and miss two layups that maybe were the Baylor Shireman's was fairly wide open. Uh, Ryan Nemar had to go over uh, Nathan Mensa, which is a pretty darn tough shot. But yeah, that was in the in the past couple of minutes. Trey Alexander's one that rimmed out from about eight feet. He is nearly automatic in those little turnaround mid range jumpers. That is his game. Um, and yeah, it, there there were seven ties in the game. Uh, Creighton was up by five uh, at, at halftime. Um, had a fairly high score, a, a more high scoring first half than I imagined. Um, at 33 to 28, and then SDSU just came out and put the clamps on them. Uh, Creighton, it felt like they, they only had 10, 10 turnovers for the entire game, which felt like a lot fewer than there actually was. But Nick Baugh, um, Creighton Color Radio guy, uh, does games for Fox Sports at main mm-hmm. point is that it seemed like on 80% of offensive possessions that Creighton had throughout the second half, they were so close to turning the ball over and either threw up a shot at the like like kind of a a desperation shot at the end of the shot clock. Yeah, or were getting into their offense too late, uh, something or other like that. And um, 
held San Diego State to 37% from the floor, but Creighton scored 23 points in the second half on 8 to 29 shooting. Um, we obviously know any number of those shots falls that I just ran through and more it's additional over, yeah. ones too. It, it's over. Ryan Kalkbrenner shot under uh, 50% for, I think, only like the fifth or sixth time all season, uh, which was unfortunate. Um, and his it, the series where he scared me, I thought he was going to break his head, <laughs> where he missed a, missed a challenge layup, missed a bunny when he got the uh, um, offensive rebound, and then ended it up uh, as a jump ball on the floor uh, and ball to San Diego State. And that one really sticks out to me more than mm-hmm. any of the wide-open threes because sometimes you miss those. Um, as we talked about, Trey Alexander usually make the, makes the shot that he shoots in the last minute of the game. Ryan Kalkbrenner typically dunks those, dunks the shots that we we just talked about. And um, losing in the Elite Eight, <laughs> probably one of the worst feelings of the sporting world, especially knowing that or, or finding out that you'd have Florida Atlantic in front of you. Um, yeah. Uh, tied into the final possession, uh, the I, I Creighton only had five fouls. Uh, leading into it, and then Trey Alexander fouls um, Lamont uh, Butler. Name? Yeah, Lamont Butler for San Diego State with seven seconds left, just over six seconds left. If he waits until I, I, I understand having a foul to give, and especially because San Diego State had had difficulty inbounding the ball, threw it right to Baylor Shireman to tie the game. <laughs> yes, <laughs> in, in, in the closing minute. You understand that you want to make them inbound it again, and when they did inbound it, they it went to a Greco Rope, who's from South Omaha. So this was probably a sweet win for him and his big buckets over Arthur Kaluma in the in in the last couple minutes were another deciding factor in the game. But if you inbound, if they're forced to inbound it to him with three or four seconds left, they throw up a desperation heave from deep. Um, but because there were six seven seconds left, uh, Darion Trammell, who of course, it happens like this. I, I was I was in Maui, as we know, at the Maui Invitational. I talked to and met Brian Dutcher, and the, basically the only thing I said to him in passing was, holy cow, that little point guard you got <laughs> from Seattle is wildly impressive. And lo and behold, he drives right past Ryan Nemhard. Wasn't a screen that he had to fight over. Wasn't near even really a rub action. Just got by him. Simple as can be, got in the lane and uh, p- put the game... Uh, put the floater up and hit one of two free throws to sink it. So um, it, it sucks that it was, that it ended up that way. Um, I think before the game, uh, Mac had talked to Arthur Kaluma about saying, Hey, I want you to go to the final four, but not as a spectator watching your brother uh, or a- a- Adam Seiko, who's on San Diego state, who actually threw the ball to Baylor Shireman. So um, uh, in that last minute, I want you to go to as a player. Unfortunately that can't happen, but still a really neat story for, um, that the NCAA media team did a really neat story with uh, their mother and then the, those guys leading into the game. Um, but Brian Dutcher, uh, San Diego State, like I, I heard a line earlier this year. If you want, if you want toughness, go out and recruit it. The three transfers that they added from the transfer portal: Darion Trammell, um, Jadon Ladee, and then uh, Micah Parrish are just exemplify toughness, uh, athleticism, what, what have you, mm-hmm. uh, that losing in heartbreaking fashion uh, to the Jays in the first round of the NCAA tournament last year, adding those three pieces, uh, really put them over the top. Um, obviously, Lamont Butler, the high scorer for San Diego State, who you mentioned on the B-Fox and B-Frank show, Brian Dutcher was very pleasantly surprised at halftime. 
uh, that he was shooting so well and continue that throughout the game. But um, yeah, they just dictated the pace, uh, especially in the second half. Uh, Creighton had done a great job of keeping him off the offensive boards for the vast majority of the first half. I think at the under four media timeout, they hadn't given up an offensive rebound. The next 10 to 11 minutes of game time, uh, San Diego State grabbed 10 offensive rebounds, and that really set the tone. That was kind of when they made their run and uh, kind of really made us uncomfortable. Um, I, I, I've got some more notes, but I've been rambling <laughs> enough. Uh, what, what else do you have to add? No, it's your season. I, I, I'm happy to hear about it. or Well, not happy in this sense, because I would have loved to have seen Creighton hit the Final Four. Um, I think a couple things that you mentioned that are, are especially poignant at this point is uh Shireman getting that layup on basically an assist from San Diego State outside of that if you remove that he's two of nine from the floor for the game I mean that that can happen especially from a player of his caliber a player of his experience he needs to be better especially in the situation uh credit to him for going five of five but he needs to find another bucket somewhere and you talked about a couple missed easy ones for him I, I i mean that was kind of the story of the day for creighton overall um but that was a tough one and then their fatal flaw reared its ugly head yet again granted it was in 16 minutes of time but the bench did not score the bench took one shot it was miller who took a three he did not hit it and outside of that they really did not contribute anything i i understand that this time of year you want to ride your guys but if you look on the other side you've got uh, San Diego State team that runs a pretty evenly split nine-man rotation. Uh, Trammell and Butler will play 30 minutes, and then everyone else will be anywhere from the mid-teens to the high 20s, and it, and it works. A guy like Nathan Mensa plays 19 minutes in this game, scores eight points, six rebounds, three blocks in that amount of time, and obviously makes a significant difference. They've got two guys, Ladie and a rope off the bench that score six points each. If Creighton gets anything from their bench, they win the game. Like that, And we talked about this. Maybe it was fatigue. Maybe it was defensive game plan. I don't necessarily know at this point what what went wrong. But it's clear that there was no confidence in the bench, or at least not enough to take these guys out when they clearly – well, I guess in the second half it was clear they did not have it offensively. The first half, 33 points against San Diego State is pretty damn good. Yeah, and you mentioned the fact that I think Darion Trammell was the only player for San Diego State that played over 30 minutes this game with 31, and all five of, as you mentioned, 16 bench minutes is in the whole heck of a lot. All five of Creighton starters played 35 or more minutes. So and yeah. that's and that's even when I think Nemhart might have been the least amount because of his kind of hand mm-hmm. um, where it went numb, uh, which was unfortunate as well. And yeah, the the... We talked about the offense being a mess in the second half, only eight field goals. Uh, the first 15-ish minutes of the second half, I think we only made five field goals. Um, uh, credit to San Diego State, obviously, incredibly good defensively. Um, they've allowed, I think, only five threes in the past two games, which when you're playing Alabama and Creighton, to get Alabama to go, what, 3 of 27 and Creighton to go 2 of 17. Um, I'm sure there, there, there's a handful of open looks that are missed in that, but still the fact that you're 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 – you're forcing teams to play the game that you want them to play was really the huge deal in the second half. Um, uh, so, yeah, the, just tough, brutal way to lose. So many what-ifs. We've talked all about them. Um, 
and credit to San Diego State getting uh, really being the the, the, the the torch carrier for the Mountain West, as you, as you mentioned on the B Fox and Frank show, it's pretty much them and everybody else. Uh, in the past three seasons, uh, they have the third best record in college basketball and the fifth best record since uh, 2010. Um, and obviously, as we mentioned, there's a dozen teams that feel like they could have won the 2020 national championship, but they were 30 and two when the season got t- canceled and were the last undefeated team uh, during that stretch. Yeah. So, huge credit to them. Um, I, I, I'll be pulling for them, uh, not only because I had saw them in Maui and got to meet Coach Dutcher, but just due to the Arthur Kaluma thing, due to due to they get their redemption story from losing dust in the tournament next year, but all credit to the Aztecs. They played the, the game that they needed to, um, and uh, big credit to Darion Trammell for what are the biggest free throws of his life. He makes one of them, and that's all you needed. Yeah, sometimes it only takes one. Um, I guess the the only thing that comes to mind is given the roller coaster of a year, I think it's almost impossible to say that this wasn't a successful season. Then you kind of look at preseason expectations, and I think they were lofty, obviously, to begin with. Um, and like a Final Four wasn't necessarily expected, but it was if there was going to be a Big East team to make a Final Four run, it was probably Creighton. Um, and then you obviously take into account the the slump in the midseason when Carl Frenner gets sick. And if you look at it from that lens, uh, the Elite Eight and one point or two points away from the Final Four is a pretty damn good season. And then you kind of look back again and see the path that they had. And maybe you think missed opportunity. I don't know. I'm just throwing all the different angles out there because this really was a roller coaster of a season for Creighton um, in you know, I guess one word, how would you describe this year? One word. Jeez. Um, Obviously expand after the fact, but just the one description, like, is is it a success? Is it a failure? Is it, was it like the best season you've ever experienced? Was it uh, too nervy? I mean, anything. History. Creighton had never, ever made it to the Elite Eight. They made history. So they went from, as we talked about, lofty expectations. If Clark Brenner doesn't get mono, we we talked about so, so many ifs. Yeah, if that doesn't happen, they're they're not a they're they're not a six seed. They don't end up playing. They maybe end up in a different region. They maybe catch maybe they catch Princeton in the first round, or maybe they catch um, name your upset Furman, whatever else. Um, so yeah. Going from nine and eight to the elite eight is just absolutely incredible. Um, obviously, you, you you wish that they could have cut down the nets and uh, to to ha- have the, the past two seasons. It ha- it hasn't really been the story, but the fact that we're kind of pre- pretty well known as shooter you or let it fly or or whatever else, and to go zero of ten in uh, the most important game, zero uh, of ten from three in the most important game. Uh, uh, in school history, uh, in the second half it, it is tough. Um, yeah. Uh, given the trials and tribulations, uh, the, the, it, it was an absolute blast. Um, I, I was saying all year, all of us were saying this, this can and should be the best team in school history. Um, we've got a chance to run it back. Uh, Baylor Shireman, uh, spoke at senior day, but has not made a decision yet. Uh, Trey Alexander, uh, Arthur Kaluma, um, Ryan Kalkbrenner all have uh, eligibility remaining. Ryan Kalkbrenner is only a junior. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Ryan Emhart, just because he's undersized, he'll be back, and he'll he'll be one of the 
best point guards in the Big East um, uh, and potentially the country next year uh, and, and hopefully a senior as well. So um, I, I'm Big East is going to have some damn good point guards. Kolick will be back. Yeah. I'm hard. No doubt about it. Yeah. Oh, man. And, and, and Trey Alexander, I, I'd imagine, would leave um, uh, just because I think his pinned tweet for the entire season has been the night that the NBA draft happened, said, I can't wait for my name to be called on this night next year. Um, but who, who knows? Maybe such a heartbreaking loss in the Elite Eight, and and that that hinges on not not hinges on, but one of the in the waiting moments of the game, the shot that he said in the post game interview. I usually make that shot. Maybe that lights a fire under them, and uh, they they want to go back at it. Um, but yeah, just just a wild season. Um, absolutely a blast. The fact. If you would have told me that after we lost sixty-three to fifty-three in Nebraska on December first, or no, on December fourth, that uh, we would have made the Elite Eight, I, I would have looked at you like you were crazy. Yeah, here it was. It was a phenomenal tournament run. I'm so glad that I got to see more away games than I'd ever seen, even though they didn't turn out well in Villanova at Villanova or in Texas. But going to Maui was an absolute blast. Um, seeing that first round game in Denver. Uh, holy cow, what a ride it's been, and uh, w- wouldn't have traded it for anything. So, yeah, you're disappointed, but this team still made history. And this, that, g- given the fact that Coach Mack has now taken, I think, what, four or five teams, different teams, to into the top ten, this is the new normal. It's It, it shouldn't be an aberration. And, yeah, the Big East is going to be really tough next year. Yeah, you never know what you're going to do matched up in the tournament, but uh, we've still got for – even three and four years ago, we were like, okay, what if we can turn into Gonzaga? What if we turn into Gonzaga? We still have a chance to win a national championship before Gonzaga does, which is very exciting for Blue Jay fans. And as both small Jesuit schools in areas of the country where you don't think that there may be a whole lot of local basketball talent, um, uh, we've re- we've been able to recruit well and keep that local talent home. Uh, so uh, Ryan Hawkins last year uh, just lived an hour down the road in Atlantic, Iowa, uh, Sharif Mitchell obviously had a diminished role this year, but um, is is an Omaha native. Um, uh, Jason Green redshirted this year, Omaha. Uh, Josiah Dotsler, who's a second generation Blue Jay, uh, also played at a high school in uh, I think in in Bellevue, which is local area, and Baylor Shireman, obviously from Aurora. Um, uh, that the and with John Christophilus transferring out. Um, the word is that Isaac Trout from Virginia um, may transfer back to Creighton as well. So uh, it, it, it'll it be a very interesting offseason, a lot of fun. But this season, holy cow, what a blast. Um, the highest to highs, the lowest to lows, a six-game skid. Um, as I said, wouldn't trade for the world. And to come back to that one word, history, this team made history. They accomplished that something that legends of Creighton basketball, Bob Gibson, um, Paul Silas, uh, Doug McDermott, Ethan Roddy, Grant Gibbs, what Marcus Zagorowski, what none of them, uh, I'm leaving so many names off the list, but what none of them, as it, none of them and their teams were able to accomplish. And I'm um, so glad that those Notre Dame rumors died down. Uh, and we've got back for the remainder of his contract, which we know what he signed it is more than two, but fewer than 10. And hopefully it's his last job, coaching job that he ever takes. So great time to be a Blue Jay. It's good perspective. Like, it's always good to hear uh, the thought, especially coming off a tough loss. But in 
almost basking in the glory of what was truly a great season. Um, I would like to experience a second weekend at some point. We'll see if it happens. Uh, I, I have faith. Um, but yeah, like the Big East is, is a bear and it's going to only get tougher. And I think Creighton is one of those teams that's set up for uh, extended and long-term success. But speaking of a team that is set up for extended and potentially long-term success out of the Big East, the Connecticut Huskies might, in fact, be the best team left in the NCAA tournament by a significant margin. They won their two games this past weekend by 23 over Arkansas and 28 over Gonzaga. They dominated both of these games. They led by as many as 33 against the Zags and uh, by as many as 29 and did not trail against Arkansas. This is an Arkansas team that was coming off of a win over Kansas, who was the defending champs and number one seed. This is a Gonzaga team that had just taken care of a shorthanded, but uh, leading by double-digit UCLA team uh, in the round prior. Held Gonzaga to 2 of 20 from 3, 20 of 60 from the field, forced nine turnovers, uh, and really dominated them on the glass 48-40. It, I, 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 there's not really much else to say other than UConn looks really good. I think it's their championship to lose at this point, and that everything is everything is working for them. They they only they only only shot eleven of thirty one from three. They hit a couple more, and this game is even bigger blowout than it was against Gonzaga. Um, that everyone, everyone they need to play well is playing well. Sonogo was 3 of 11 in that game. Still had a double-double, 10 points, 10 rebounds, 6 assists. Caravan, 12 points, 20 from Jordan Hawkins. 8 from Tristan Newton to go along with 7 rebounds. A near triple-double from Andre Jackson. Like, everybody on their team knows their role and is playing it right now. They are the scariest team left in this tournament. Well, and you and I have said how in the world did Creighton beat them once <laughs> and how in the world did Seton Hall do the same. So no idea. The, the, I, I think I saw it. I can't remember what the tweet was, but I think they're 15 and 0 against non big East opponents with an average marching victory of like 25.2, which is just absurd. And in yeah. a tournament, you expect that to drop, but it hasn't. And uh, what they, all eight of their losses came to big East opponents. So Dan Hurley said, Big East is a phenomenal conference. Uh, Alex Caravan might have cursed the Jays a little bit when he said, after Creighton wins tomorrow, we'll, we'll prove that Big East the be- is the best conference, whatever. But yeah, that that I was more surprised to see the Arkansas just dismantling than I was Gonzaga, just because, as you mentioned, they, they barely got by a UCLA team that was down two starters. But it, it, in, in that Arkansas game, Sonogo had 18-8. and eight. Jordan Hawkins had 24 with three assists, two boards. Um, Andre Jackson, seven points, seven assists, eight boards for him. Uh, 11 points and seven boards for Alex Caravan. Uh, nobody named, not named Anthony Black, Rich, Ricky Council, or Nick Smith for Arkansas. Arkansas scored more than five points, which when you you put up 88 in the game, you can, and it's such a blowout, you can maybe get a little lax defensively, which did not happen at all. Still held them to 65 points, which an Arkansas team that I'm well aware can <laughs> score pretty darn at, at will when, when they've got stuff going is wildly impressive. Uh, they shot nearly 58% from the floor in that Arkansas game, 
jumped out to a 17-point lead at the half and only extended it in the second half, as you said, extending it to, what, 28 points at one time. Um, and this is an Arkansas team. Yeah, they were down Trayvon Brazil, but Eric Musselman had got him to the Elite Eight two seasons, two consecutive seasons prior. Dashed those hope, hopes at a third, which is awesome. Um, held them under a third, held the Razorbacks under a 32% shooting. As you mentioned, out-rebounded them by 12 points. Uh, and yep. w- w- one of my favorite stats, uh, UConn had 22 assists on 31 made field goals and still one going away after committing 17 turnovers, which was just bananas. <laughs> it, you know, when it's your tournament, it's your tournament. The closest game they've played so far is St. Mary's, which was a 15-point win. Uh, they beat Iona in the opening round by 24 to get St. John's their new head coach. Uh, like, it's... It's been crazy. So with all that said, the final four is five-seed San Diego State against nine-seed Florida Atlantic. And on the other side, five-seed Miami taking on four-seed UConn. Is there a team out there that can beat UConn? Just given the nature of this tournament and what we have going on, you feel like there has to be. I don't think it's Miami. It'd be San Diego State. They they knocked off the overall top seed Alabama. They obviously knocked off a, a a Final Four contender in Creighton that people had been yeah given the struggles we talked about had probably been expected to make the Final Four. Um, Creighton was only favored by I think two and a half points, uh, but but the spread moved I think from like one or one and a half uh, just in a couple of days to get there. So people were pretty heavily on Creighton. Mm-hmm. Um, I I am not saying that it will happen, but. Just given the, the madness of this tournament, given that everything's in front of them, um, given the fact that they could be their fifth national title in 25 years with three different coaches, <laughs> um, it, crazy, it's absolutely bananas. Um, uh, they, they do face a familiar foe uh, in their game against Jim Laranega, who knocked him out with George Mason way back when. Um, but uh, sh- shutting down... It, it, the, the big thing, as you mentioned, Andre Jackson was about a, a, a basket and like a rebound away from a triple double in the in, in the Gonzaga yeah. game, like the fact that he's not forcing shots and is knowing his role, the fact that he can get out and transition, grab a rebound, get the ball rolling. Um, uh, Jordan Hawkins is finally probably going to going to get to a hundred points in the NCAA in the NCAA tournament, albeit twice as many games as I as I imagined he would a six instead of three, but. Man, oh, man, they look formidable. And as you talked about on the B-Fox, B-Frank show, I don't know if there's a team that stays within 10 points of both that's left. It feels like their tournament to lose at this point. I'm not trying to put a jinx on them at all. A win would be great for the Big East. Um, But, yeah, we just have to deal with the ramifications of UConn fans. So that is it for this week. Sam, any final thoughts before... We, we ride off into the sunset that is Final Four weekend and National Championship Monday. Well, it's kind of a going joke on Twitter, but uh, Dan Hurley not being able to win close games. They they haven't faced one really in this tournament. Yeah. So if, if, if they encounter that, having to go up against either Jim Laranega, uh, Dusty Bay, or um, Brian Dutcher in that uh, will, will be quite interesting. So um, also they, they held uh, Gonzaga to under 60 points for the first time all season, which is just... Big kind of time. wild given, given their offensive firepower. So um, I'm not going to say it, but uh, the, the closing line that you were forced to say last week, but uh, um, I, I will be pulling for them just because they're in the Big East, but I do hope that San Diego State cuts down the nets to 
continue Creighton's streak of losing to the national runner-up in Gonzaga in the 21, uh, 2021 NCAA tournament and then the national champion in Kansas. Um, so uh, we shall see about that. That is uh, that is the show for this week. Good luck to the Yukon Huskies uh, as they as they look to win yet another national title. Uh, we will see you folks on the other side.